Dancing in the rain. I uh, haven't taken the time to say that. It's been unsaid, but moving forward, it will have to be said, I guess, technically, because the podcast, Quentin, we had a good run, but the podcast has a name now. How you doing tonight? Yeah, you know, I guess I guess the bit is now over. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, guess, I guess the bit's over now. But I'm good. Um, just trying to stay on top of the wrestling stuff. Uh, I feel like I've done. feel like I've done a pretty good job so far. But before we get into like housekeeping, uh, Tim, I have watched fifty-four matches. Oh, that's pretty. I mean, honestly, you're probably ahead of me at this point. Uh, maybe, but yeah. I'm not keeping good enough track. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I'm back. I'm back to being a uh, spreadsheet a boy. Yeah, but a spreadsheet yeah, man. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, so I guess like the most notable thing in the wrestling world is violent people. Yes, and- the new website, the new po- <laughs> the return of the formerly known as Always Barry Tanners. Obviously, this is what everyone's talking about. Um, yeah, violent people. Ah, oh, God, I should know the exact website, right? I think it's violent people. It's violent people dot com, isn't it? Is it not? It should be. It should. That should be it. But I don't know. I, I, like I said, violentpeople.co, I believe. Yeah, violentpeople.co. Violentpeople.co. You know what's been the thing that's really standing out to me so far? And, you know, whatever. You know, fuck everybody. Um, Dan. Dan Rice. Two articles. Two opinion pieces, I guess you could say. Editorials. They're marked down here. C&D Counties and Rip Ice Train. And, like, I love Dan. I think he's such a cool, I like, I, you know, obviously we, like, I've done podcasts with him, blah, 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 like yeah. all this and that, but I don't think of him as like a close friend. I, I think of him as someone who I like, I still like, I'm like really just like, I like him. I think he's neat. I think he's, you know, fun and funny. You know what I mean? And yeah. like reading his writing, I'm just like, oh my God, he's actually also really good at this stuff too. But yeah, yeah. that's been the, yeah. Um. So I guess, uh, should we give a little? I guess I don't. I don't know. Like we are the inaugural, like the first, like I guess, like only official podcast that's like done an episode since violent people right. thing. There is a, there is like the formerly known of always Barry Tanner's. That's first part's gone up. Uh, by the time you hear this, the second part will will have, will have already been up. I guess we should it discuss will, what this podcast tomorrow. Is 
Yeah, because it will be up uh, tomorrow. I talked to I talked to Sam about this actually. Or okay. Sam messaged me about it. So so technically this will come out and then probably within a couple hours the other ones will be up. So this we'll we'll keep it light. We'll keep it low. This is gonna be an easy listening. It's a little amuse bouche, a little like taster to keep you uh keep you interested, and then you have the monstrous podcasts to listen to. Um yeah, around okay. us. Um yeah. so uh, we don't know Wrestling Podcast Network is no longer a thing, but it's really just under like a different name and umbrella. I guess it's like the, it's like the best way to explain that. So obviously, like we're here recording, this podcast still exists. Uh, Talking Tourneys still exists. The We Don't Know Wrestling Podcast uh, still exists. Everything is on the separate feeds now. Uh, Muscle Orchestra with Tanner and Chris is joining is uh, on violent going to be on the violent people podcast network and they are going to have their own feeds as well so what you're listening to us on is what was the we don't know wrestling podcast network so if you were a fan of that no reason to go anywhere and if you didn't come right. here to listen to us then you can go subscribe to talking attorneys or right. whatever you should whatever, go, go ahead yeah or, or whatever you were, here, you were here for go ahead oh, i was gonna say you should go subscribe to those no matter what even if of you're coming here for the you should be going and subscribing to that muscle orchestra. I had a couple episodes that I appreciated. I actually Tanner messaged me. He was asking me something and I was like, Oh yeah. You know, he said M O and I said, Oh, what, what's M O I said, muscle orchestra. And I said, Oh man, I was wondering when that was coming back. Cause it felt like they did a couple episodes and then that was it. And I was just like, Oh, I hope they keep doing this. And, uh, it seems that they will be, um, we got, you know, contributor to the podcast, this podcast you're listening to, uh, the Core Wu, uh, with his rec- recommended matches roundup number one, he's got listed here, and he's got a ton right. of here. I mentioned the underscore Core Wu, um, and you should check out his uh, spinning wheel kick end of the year reviews. Um, he gives the list of all this stuff up in the year throughout the year if you listen to this podcast throughout the year you just basically hear a ton of stuff that i just like get from him um and have been getting from him for years so go there check it out and uh yeah see what but the core woo the underscore core woo on twitter um spinning wheel kick blog has to say yeah it says core woo right here is the is the it author does, it says, so. hey, i don't say the name okay my bad yeah it's at the bottom and that's one thing i you know whatever that's that's behind the scenes i talked about that i i like having a byline up at the top that's just me um i think that it you know it's a it's better so hopefully hopefully maybe that'll get changed here eventually but uh either way one thing okay there's a a couple points i gotta i gotta you know talk you're as as the representative for the formerly known as always barry tanners here quentin you have to deal with this um, no, uh, there is, there is actually one like major thing or one just like over the whole thing that I want to mention. There is one that is specifically for you that I wanted to mention about the podcast. All right. Um, okay. overall thing, miracle generation, I feel like got short shift, short shrift. And it's really, this sucks because it, it was Sam, it was Sam's fault because he put them on there and he did not have the, you know, he didn't have the backing to actually defend them for why they deserve their spot and he kind of just folded instantly when there are tons of great miracle generation matches that could have been referenced that did not involve the workhorsemen or bonds forever that just got completely overlooked the one that i would say is the biggest standout and the one that i've praised before and a team that i've praised before 
that I know, you know, former guest of the podcast, Joseph Monticilio has also praised um, above the rest. Miracle Generation and above the rest have had one just straight up two on two match. They've had they were in the four corner match with each other and they've been in uh, trios matches where they had other uh, partners with them and they have amazing chemistry together and phenomenal matches. So that's like the big one. I would say, okay, you want to talk about like matches that Miracle Generation had that don't involve like crazy, you know, best of the best of the world tag teams. There, there are, there are ones there. You've got the Bang Brothers matches. You've got Masha and Rena match. You've got Fresh Air. There's like, there are matches that don't involve those other teams that they had that are really good. They had a match with the outfielders. That's really good too. Anyways. So that was, that was the, the overall one. That's not your fault, uh, Quentin. Now here's the one, here's the, detail that i gotta point out that i love because you know it just is what it is uh when there was the conversation about dominion versus the um tournament of survival number eight right yeah and at one point it turned into as you were there's like oh there's gonna be a vote and then midway through the vote tanner interrupts it and says well i don't think sam has even watched dominion right and everyone kind of goes off and then it turns into a whole conversation about well, Sam hasn't watched it. Does that really matter? Would it uh, this and that? Now, here's right. the thing that I thought should have instantly been turned around, Quentin. Okay. Quentin, I know damn well you didn't watch the Tournament of Survival. <laughs> and nobody fucking said a word. No one said, well, okay, we're gonna, if we're going to DQ Sam for not watching Dominion, should we not mention that Quentin hasn't watched Tournament of Survival? Nobody. Nobody said oh, a fucking word. God, okay. Am I right? Am I right? You're correct. I've watched. I did. Yeah. I did watch some of the matches, but I didn't watch the whole show. You were correct. You were absolutely correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, when as they're doing, I'm just like, I know fucking Quentin didn't watch that show. Come on. <laughs> so yeah, that was. I I I appreciated that because nobody would fucking nobody called you out. No one had. No one could say. It, no. No. You know yeah. No. I mean? No. No one. No one would know that. <laughs> <laughs> right. They just kind of. Oh yeah. Whatever. Just let it. Let it slide by. Yeah. 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 Yeah, was, yeah, no, yeah. No one. Yeah. No one would know that. As like. <laughs> Which like I don't know maybe my like disdain for GCW like isn't as like known and on the record as uh, Sam's disdain for New Japan. Sure, you know even though I think the most right, famous right, episode right. of this podcast is like a complete like obliteration of yes. GCW. Yes, yes, yeah. So I don't. Yeah. So <laughs> so yeah. That, that was very astute, Tim. You're the, yes. you're, you're the only one like only person who would have thought known. Yeah, immediately I was just like. Come on, but whatever, you know, it is what it is. Because <laughs> I do think that probably that GCW, the Tournament of Survival, probably could have made the top three instead of Dominion. Like, you know, it just whatever. it was a good show. Like, the, what I watched on Tournament of Survival was good. Like, I'm not like, yeah, I, I had nothing. I had nothing against that show. Like, right. I did. I like. There's nothing. Like, there was not like. If that would have made the top three, I would have been mad at it. Like, right. I just thought like Dominion was like was a really good show, but like I I didn't I like I wouldn't have like really cared that much of tournament survival of like sure. made the top three is fine <laughs> well well and there was tons of stuff there's tons of stuff where i'm kind of like okay there's like there's a lot of companies and a lot of show like action and dpw both probably could have made a could have had one of their shows be on the top three but they don't have a singular show that stands out you know that yeah. to be like oh that's the that's the one right and the bangers um, only was probably a good representation for that but, so yeah. i will say uh in the second part uh I say something about DPW, and, okay. it's not, and it's not necessarily like a positive thing. Sure. So, like, I, I'm I'm still I'm still like I'm still not sure what I think of DPW. 
I'm not like a DPW stan or nothing, but I'm not I'm, I'm not a stan for any wrestling company, right? Like we we've talked about this enough and I've been <laughs> been having behind the scenes conversations with Jay enough lately about this where like so many of these so many of like the fatal flaw that these pundits and these podcasts and these people have is that they like they pick out a wrestling company and they make that their whole brand is that they're the you know what I mean? They're the DPW liker. The, the DPW defender has logged in. And it's just yeah. like, man, you cannot fucking do that because these wrestling companies are going, they're not, they're going to ebb and flow. They're going to be good and bad. Yeah. Like, shit just, yeah. Shit, like, shit just change, uh, goes on, goes on and changes. And, uh, okay. So, all right. That was a good laugh. Now, part right. two, they'll like, you know, covering the top matches, wrestlers, promotion of the year. That is fucking, God, four and a half hours. Jesus, for four hours, four and a half hours, or something, something ridiculous. Like, obviously, it's been a long time since I've had, since I've had to do something like that. Um, so yeah, but it it was I I I enjoyed doing it, and like honestly, like I think doing that, like, kind of like snapped me out of what I feel like had been going on with me, because I, I mentioned it, and when I talk about Osprey Naito. You might remember this when we did like the G one like kind of like roundup reviews back then, but like everything since twenty twenty has just been really difficult for me to consume. It's just been a lot of like changes in things that like were unsavory and like changes to like my favorite stuff in wrestling that like made it hard to enjoy it. Like the clap crowds in Japan made it like really hard, or like the most prominent indie wrestling in America being GCW and me not being a GCW fan or like some of my favorite promote uh, promotions, just like kind of like falling apart. The European scene, just fucking dying. AEW was still trying, trying to figure things out and weren't necessarily, they haven't always been great. WWE. It just, I've just cut them out of my viewing completely. So like I've been, it's been hard for me to like, be like into wrestling the way that I have been for like the majority of my life for the past few years. And I do want to thank like Sam and Tanner and Skylar and Chris uh and uh and Dan and Dan for like you know do it for like you know doing the pod doing the formerly known as always Barry Tanner's because I think that helped snap me out of it. Like even though like it is harder to enjoy wrestling because I think wrestling just isn't as good. Like, I feel like even though I'm back, I can still say just wrestling isn't as good. I, I feel like, I feel like I'm back. Like, not just in the ways I've been, like, I've said it before when I've tried and it was hard. Like, I feel like I'm actually like back to like wanting and caring and like seeking stuff out and like, that podcast was a really big help in kind of like, I think kind of like clearing that malaise that I've been in for like, frankly, like a couple of years now, because a lot of things just happened and changed and it made it hard to enjoy wrestling as I was getting older, but I feel like a lot more clear headed now. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of the same thing. It feels like we kind of, we kind of everyone wanted to just be done with the pandemic and move back into things, you know, and I felt like it was a bit premature in a lot of ways. Um, and we just weren't really the scenes and everything. were just we're not really ready for it. Um, and what we ended up with is that 
I think a lot of us, you know, myself, I'll speak for for definitely for myself and maybe even, you know, you as well. We kind of like we were willing to accept things that maybe we normally wouldn't. And it's especially, you know, for my for me, like a lot bigger, like supporting and praising companies that are like owned by billionaires and big conglomerate media company owned. You know what I mean? Like big, glossy wrestling companies. Um, like I was just willing to latch on to them and take that because it was kind of like, this is what we got, you know? Um, and in some ways it's been a positive because one of the positives is that during that time of accepting and I got into like the stardom stuff more and that kind of helped me get back into watching Joshi, you know, because I was really not paying attention to Joshi for a couple of years there, especially like through the big UO Euro, European indie boom. I just Joshi really took a back seat to even watching any of it. And like kind of start getting into stardom really helped get me back into paying attention to a lot of Yo Joshi and especially now indie Joshi is kind of back. And it's kind of a main thing we're going to talk about here tonight. So it's kind of funny that I'm just like bringing this up here out of out of context, but it is true. Um, and that was like a plus. But there is also the negatives, which is like, you know, and it, it speaks to the Tanners. And that's not the whole point of this whole fucking podcast is to talk about that. But like the idea that the show of the year last year on the ta Always Barry Tanners was like that muda final bye-bye show like and even that show like watching it i kind of i did let myself like get into it as you talked about like this is not something i care about i don't like big crazy production but i did find myself during that show being like oh man this is like awe inspiring how crazy the production and everything looks and it's so you know what i mean it's so unique and big and grandiose but that's not what i care about historically you know what i mean that's not what i'm interested in but i was like just taking it because it was like at least it's something and that was kind of what was happening. And this now, 2024, really feels like we're back. There's interesting stuff going on. And there's like worthwhile things to pay attention to, for especially for me. Things that are not just, you know, big major companies owned by major media conglomerates. No, like indie wrestling is feeling like it's back across the world, really. Um, and then, you know, obviously... Um, CMLL, which is not indie wrestling by any means, but at least it's back to right. And like, that's kind of the thing like Lucha. It's tough. I'm not a Lucha fan in general, but it's also tough to be like a big Lucha supporter because it feels like to me as kind of an outsider, not someone who's ever been like a huge follower of the business. It really does feel like Lucha is does not really have even though CMLL and CMLLLLLL, um, and AAA kind of are like the big companies or whatever. Like there is not really that big line in the sand between the indies and the big companies in Mexico as much because a lot of the smaller promotions are like they have deals with the big companies and they use stars and wrestlers from the big companies to run their, you know, their weekly shows. So a lot of even the smaller Lucha shows are still technically affiliated with the big brands in a lot tighter way than what you're like used to in the rest of the world. Um, but oh, yeah, 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 that could be, like, you know, like, like Mexico, like Mexico um, was just on a Lucha Libre boom show. Like he just made it like, just, just made, just main evented that um, in a four way. Yeah, so exactly. like, yeah. So like stuff, like stuff, stuff like that exists. Like, you know, like depending on like who the person is really, like you can like, 
usually like see someone like you know main eventing and main eventing like a bigger scale bigger scale indie show or whatever like that like we've seen like even like years back we saw like atlantis like pop up and like wrestle like kaifon and shit like that so like it's like you know it's just it's just like it all kind of like bleeds together i feel like a little bit more than like than obviously like the u.s indies do with like still with like with contractual stuff and things like that um no, yeah, and even like certain towns, like they're more set up the old way, where like in Mexico, like certain towns, a show will be branded as like a CMLL show in that town, but it's really being promoted locally by a local promoter, yeah, sure. and it yeah. really is technically a small indie promotion, but it's branded as a CMLL show, you know. Um, but yeah, I guess that's like my big yeah. thoughts. Um, was I entirely well, happy with the? Uh... With how the always Barry Tanners went, no, of course not. But that's you know that's just that's what happens when you do things with six other, with, with five other people. So uh, listen to that uh, as that as that comes out. Volumepeople.co, plenty of writing stuff will be on there. Might try some wrestling writing. Who knows? I haven't done wrestling writing in a long yeah. time. I've done battle rap writing for you know the last couple years, the last like couple years now. So maybe you'll maybe you'll see me do like some wrestling writing over there too. But like. Uh, it's so funny. Like when wrestling with words was a thing, when it started, I was 18 years old. Like I, yeah, yeah, yeah I was 18. I was like, I, I first met like Trask and Isaac and shit like that. Uh, when I was 18 years old and I'm like I'm 26 going on 27 now. And it's funny how many people remember wrestling with words. It's kind of weird. Um, Cause like it was a site that was ran by teenagers. <laughs> like it's, it's just, it's really funny how like much we like, it felt like that, like staff actually kind of accomplished was able to do because it was a staff, like mostly comprised of like people that were in their late teens or early twenties. And uh, now like I'm 26 and Tanner and Sam are older now. And, uh, you know, Alex is older now. Alex is coming over, writing stuff at violentpeople.co. So I think she's also bringing back Beiru, uh, Beiru Barra tag, uh, tag boom. And like, it's just funny that all these years later, like, I still honestly feel like the people that were there, you know, even if like Brock isn't active or whatever, it's like the people that were there, I still feel like confidently are like the best people I know who are doing that type of content and like there's our adjacent family like joseph and simon and all that stuff but it's just like funny all these years later that like i still feel confident about like the people that i shared a site with back when i was like 18 19 years old yeah i mean you know technically i mean simon you say adjacent simon technically was like part of wrestling with words even technically like part he came on for a project that never even started so you that know. never even happened yeah i mean that was the same thing with me i came on to wrestling with words to do a project that never happened um and then but then i actually ended up writing a couple of reviews and things and doing you know what crossed my mind as we're talking about it is that i was doing roh tv reviews in you know 10 years ago um where i literally called or referenced marty scroll being a pedophile um you know five or six years before the speaking out and all that stuff 
um, which is just very funny to think about because I was just like, oh my God, like, yeah, this website that was run by teenagers and I was, you know, in my 20s and I, but I was able to go on there and call Marty Squirrel a pedophile and, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and nothing, you know, whatever. So that was like kind of the, that was the ethos of the wrestling with words. You could kind of do whatever you wanted. Um, and uh, it was, it was nice. It was, it was good. And I think that is why it kind of people remember it, you know? Um, and, a lot of the same people are involved in this, obviously. So. But also, but, but again, it's like, like I can't stress enough. Like a lot of us were just fucking children, right? Like even if we weren't like Trask age children, like, we were fuck, we were children. Like we were, right. like, like I was eight, I was eighteen, nineteen, and like Tanner's, like Tanner's, like only a year older than me. So right. like, it's like it's we were we were all just really really young and like just kind of like just doing stuff. And like, I like the fact that like on some level, a lot of us were able to kind of like get back together and bring in new faces. Like, you know, like Chris, who like, you know, has been around and like was involved with the full, with the, we don't wrestling forums and stuff like that. Um, and just, I don't know, like kind of like find a way to like bring it back, especially in the space where like, we've seen like, uh, like the fan fight stuff die and other, right. and other, and other, and other things. And like, really frankly like i'm gonna reference them later but like vow like just getting really bad all of a sudden <laughs> like it was like yeah like 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 the writing stuff used to be pretty decent there i thought and then like it just it's no <laughs> no longer is and well yeah. and, and, and and now like you know that's that's without talking about other things um but like I'm, I'm i'm glad that like the people that i've been able to like call my friends for however long now like are also the ones that like running this because I'm not sure there's many other people I would trust to be able to do something like this. No, exactly. And, and part of the VOW thing is it, it speaks to, it speaks to what I was saying earlier about don't, uh, don't like, put your eggs in a promotion identity. basket. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. yeah making, making a company identity and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just don't do that because then, or if you're, if you really have to do that, then you have to just be willing to move on when it's time to move on. But anyway, um, when we talk about that, let's talk about that company. Let's talk about uh, <laughs> New Japan. Um, we've got rats flooding, or, you know, uh, fleeing the sinking ship here. Uh, we got Osprey gone. We got Okada leaving. Um, Tanahashi, you know, is now the president. What does that mean for as a, as a wrestler? What's he, you know, what's his move there? What's uh what's going on? But I guess yeah, the big thing you you teased it earlier, you know, with the joke about violent violent people being the big news. The big news obviously is Okada, and everyone's talked it to death at this point. It's pretty much you know it is what it is. What what's kind of where where are you at on it? And like what what do you think? Because I'm I'm I think I might have talked myself around into a spot in a, into a position that maybe people wouldn't expect. I mean, we'll see how aligned we are. Cause like, I'm gonna be, I'll be honest. Like, I don't really. It's not that I don't care. I think it's like people haven't like really looked at the reality of what I think. Oh, like Okada was has been in New Japan, like as like the top guy, or at least one of the top guys for twelve years, like. It will be going on twelve years exactly if he wasn't leaving on January thirty first. Like he came back 
in 2012 and it's been a legit 12 years like with no breaks either like no like stops no major injuries nothing yeah. like just being the top guy in that company for 12 years and i feel like a lot of people haven't realized how long it's been <laughs> honestly like he's like he like he's really been on top of that company for so long now that do like I do I like what I on um, theory like to see what could be done with Okada working with like the Uminos and Naritas and Yoda Sujis and Yuya Yamoras and all that stuff and all that and all that stuff in the world of the world like I I guess but I don't know I don't really know how much more I want out of a guy like being in the same company in the same spot for 12 years especially like i feel like his act is like made for like being like a main event caliber guy and like i still feel like he has like main event caliber like years left in like you know or or, or a couple of years like that left and do i think that like wwe or AEW? are necessarily like the places to do that probably not at least at least especially in the case of wwe but i think the reality of thing of these things too is like while okada is i think for lack of a better term like pretty stale and has been pretty stale for a few years now um and i think that he notices that i think that we can talk about his booking in 2023 and like how he was used that year because i think i think it's actually like really interesting but at the same time, like I think you can't talk about Okada and or talk about Osprey for that matter without talking about like Japan's economy just not being in a very good place. Like that is not separate from this conversation. So even if Okada is like top draw, top of the card or whatever or whatever in New Japan, if like a contract is expiring and he's kind of already unhappy with the situation going on over there, he sees the writing on the wall, things are shaky. Like, it makes sense that I see him leaving. Like, do I necessarily want to see Okada in other places, especially in a WWE? Like, do I really want to see Okada in WWE? Of course not. But I don't know. Like, I really don't care. And like, it didn't. It doesn't make me sad. You know what I mean? Like, nothing about Okada's leaving like makes me sad because. I don't know. I guess I've, I've accepted the reality of like, I don't view this as like AEW or like WWE like poaching this dude. Like, I think he looked at the field. I think he looked at the world. I think he looked at all this stuff and he put in his time, put in like, put in like 15, however many years of being a pro wrestler in Japan, 12 years of, 12 years of being like a top guy in the biggest company in Japan. And he looked around and weighed his options. Like, I don't, I don't view this as like one of the most like criminal heinous acts that I've seen like AEW or WWE pull when it came to like uh, acquire acquiring talent. Like, I feel like in a lot of ways I can see saying that the time it like it was just time. So I don't know where you're at with that, but that's kind of where I'm at. I feel like I'm not. I I don't really care that much. I think everything. it was just time. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you say there. I say the only I would say the only issue is that they didn't they didn't get some good 
wins for Okada. They didn't have him actually put any younger guys over no, we, on no, the way we, out. We, we, no, we can talk about that. Give me one yeah. second. You can keep going. I'm going to let my dog upstairs because she's whining, sure. but go ahead. But I can yeah, I, yeah. I have an answer for that. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, sure, you can have <laughs> a response for, 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 uh, for that idea. And it's, I think, otherwise, I completely agree with everything that you say. Like, it's not it's not this egregious thing. It's not like, again, the end of the world. I, it is a bad sign, I guess, for the economy of Japan, for sure. Um, but that's bigger and outside of the context of just wrestling. But yeah, like, it's not, you know, Okada is ready to go. I said this, you know, at the beginning of the Okada run and you talked about you know 12 years like the the Tanahashi match that's scheduled for Okada and Tanahashi on uh what is it new beginning in Osaka is literally like the same day it's the 12 year anniversary of the you know the first Okada Tanahashi match the second actual time that they wrestle each other but the one that everyone thinks of as their first match. Um, that's 12 years, you know, that's, that's a long run. Um, again, the only negative to new Japan, but this is the thing. It's not, I don't necessarily say like, Oh, because they didn't see it coming. Like, I think you can give new Japan as much head start and heads up as you want. And they're not going to, their booking just doesn't handle this stuff properly. If I can interject there, you mentioned new yeah. Japan seen it coming. So, full credit here, uh, listening to a breakout clip from Super Jcast, where they talked about, like, Okada apparently not wanting to do anything with the younger guys on the way out. And I find it very interesting, because let's actually go through Okada's 2023. In Okada's 2023, he has 18 singles matches. And he has, let's look, one, two, three, four, five, six... Uh, uh, yeah, six, yeah, six matches in uh 2023 that uh, that, that are that are singles, not in the G1, and um, then he has the two that he just had just now, uh, Danielson, Osprey, and he's gonna close, and he's closing out with Tanahashi, right? If you look at his, if you look at this, look at his G1 block, right? His G1 block, Okan, Phantasmo, Taichi. Yoshihashi, uh, Osprey, Kenta, Tangaloa, Zach, uh, Evil. Wouldn't now, in theory, like, wouldn't have like, might have made some sense that like right. Okada be in the block that had all the young guys in it, like Kaito and right. Gabe Kid and Ren Narita and Yodasuji, of course, but. Who would have? Who was the one that was in that block instead? It was Sonata, right? And the champion. And they're saying that, like, that was a thing that was presented to Okada, and he declined it. So, I feel like what people point, pointed to when like Okada here like hired the American agent, but I think you can look at like stuff like stuff here, stuff here in the booking, right. and like, I feel like. I, 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 I even even if there wasn't like a concrete like yeah like I'm not like you know like I'm I'm gone, 
that was that was said. I feel like there's very clear like stuff you can point to for like there being like uh tension and unrest between Okada and like creative or, or what the direction was in New Japan. Like that you like that you could see last year. Because Okada does what? He like starts off starts off the year as champ, drops the belt to Sonata, and then like other than Forbidden Door, Tim, what's he doing? He's with the he's fucking around with the Never Trios belts. Right. No. Then like who is he the Never Trios champs with? Is he like bringing new guys into chaos and giving them the rub and doing stuff like that? No, he's the Never Trios champs with Tanahashi and Ishii. Right. <laughs> like so as like I'm listening to like that breakout clip from Super Jcast, I'm like Joel's making like some really good. Uh, I think I think it's Joel. Yeah, you're like Joel is making so like Joel's the decent one. Uh, like Joel, like Joel's making like actually like pretty uh, like astute and like good points on this. So I don't think it's a thing where New Japan was blindsided. I think that New Japan might have been doing things, trying to like persuade okada to stay i feel like maybe even like putting tanahashi in a position of power might have been like trying to persuade okada to like stay but i think this is a thing that's been going on i think the fact that like okada doesn't like what really like hasn't been eager to work with any of the new guys like is a re is a is, a, is like a point of contention that's been going on and that you can point to like the fact that he was clearly staying out of interacting with those guys um the fact that the never trios title match got moved to this to got moved to the uh to the house house show today in Corican instead of uh where it was originally sp- supposed to take place. I think it's supposed to take place in one of the new beginning shows. Um I think that there's some stuff there that I'm not even like we can get into that, like about like his refusal to work like like him not wanting to work with these young guys. It's like something I'm not even really mad at him for. But like I do look at stuff. And I think looking at like his last year or so in New Japan, I feel like there was some stuff that indicated that like there was something odd going on, and then yeah. and now here we are. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with you there. It's like you look at it and you look at like you look at like something like Osprey, and the way that he like scouted Osprey and brought him into the company, and the fact that that was however long ago that was. You know, and that you didn't really see any repeat of that. You didn't really see anything that really felt like him putting that kind of effort into actually caring about like the future of the company. The only people, at, that, the only people that Okada put over after losing the belt because he lost it. He lost to Sonata, right? He only lost to Danielson at Forbidden Door, and then lost to uh, Will, and lost to Naito. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. What's going what's going well, on here? And that speaks to it because you talked about the forbidden door thing. It's like the other side of it too is for the past however, you know, year, year and a half, that the only time that really you saw any kind of like spark, any kind of like semblance of the old Sonata or old uh Okada was when he was in America or he was wrestling foreign wrestlers. He was just not he did not really seem super interested in you know, Japan and again, status quo and putting over the new guys in Japan and doing all like, he just was not, he was, you could tell he was not invested in Japan anymore. Um, 
And, you know, one of the things from the beginning, when I set this up and we got into this topic and, and you said like, maybe we're on the same page, we are on the same page on the stuff that you mentioned. This is the thing where I say, maybe I'm in a spot where people wouldn't expect. And it, it almost, it harkens back to something I said on, uh, on the heat death of the universe podcast, the other podcast I do about politics, uh, this last week, which we're going to take a week off. If anybody listening to this, listens to the other show, we're not going to do an episode this week. Um, one thing I said on the last episode was that like, I almost kind of just want Trump to win the presidency here so that it's over because after that he's term limited and he doesn't, he can't continue to tease that he's going to run over and over again and be the star and the main focus of, you know, politics for the rest of his life, which is what will happen if he doesn't, if he loses, he, there's no reason why he won't just continue to run for president forever if he never gets term limited out. Right. Um, a similar vibe that I have when it comes to this, that, like I said, maybe people wouldn't expect that I would get there is that I hope that Okada just goes to WWE. I'm not interested in him going to AEW because as of right now, AEW feels, I honestly am not super happy about the idea that Osprey is going to become a part of AEW soon. That, that, that because... Honestly, like you're making a, because I like Okada. Right. Like, is why, like, if anything, like, in theory, I prefer the AEW stuff. But that was a thing I thought as well. I'm like, well, AEW is kind of getting themselves together. And you're telling me that, like, while we have, like, Samoa Joe riding the ship as, riding the ship as champ, and you, like, do something yes. like Samoa Joe versus Hook, right? And, like, you know, how great that was. And you have this, like, really awesome, intense stuff going on with, like, but, like, with, with Joe, uh, Swerve, and Hangman all for the belt. And then, like, right. you're building up to Roddy versus Orange Cassidy. Like, there's stuff there that's, like, them riding the ship. Like, 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 look, like looking like they're, like, finally been, like, figuring it out. And then you're telling me that, like, we might be introducing Ar uh, uh, Will Ospreay and Kazuchika Okada to that? Right. That feels like people that, like, that are really good wrestlers, but, like, it's it's not it's not like having like CM Punk, where CM, right. Punk, like CM Punk brings something different. If you're bringing Okada and Osprey and you're bringing them bringing them in because they're really good wrestlers that people like, like and you want and they're they're guys that have to be presented at the top of the card. You, you mentioning the top Punk of the card. is so perfect. Yeah, you mentioning Punk is perfect because Punk was able to come in and have his first match be against Darby, and that was it. You know, and that was and then, and then wrestled wanted. fucking and then wrestled fucking Hobbs after that. Yeah, or yeah. And shit. like yeah, like basically the same thing that uh, Adam Copeland has been doing, and and for the most part, no one's really referencing that. I feel like I was the first person to reference that, like in a chat somewhere where people were like talking about the Cope Open and their Cope Open. Oh, this is weird that they're doing this thing. And I'm like, this is exactly the same thing that CM Punk did, except for they didn't have a name for it. Right. They didn't call it the Punk Open, but they're doing the same thing. You know, and it's just like. Yeah, like, but those guys are able to slot into that role where they can be in the mid card having these fun, wacky dream matches that don't feel like letdowns. But Osprey and Okada, both, I mean, they're going to have to come in and there's not really anything else you can do with them except for disrupt the entire main event scene. And as you said, it feels like right now we're like actually setting a course and writing things. And like, I mean, okay. Maybe the positive is that you get both of them at the same time. And what you do is you just run that feud. 
Like you actually, you literally just have them feud with each other from jump and just have them have great matches. And then you can like do other stuff around it. But otherwise I just feel like it's really difficult to like not have these two show up and just obliterate the booking that is just starting to stabilize. Um, yeah. And, and, and no, ser no, seriously, I think that's a really great point. And then like, again, these are guys that aren't promo guys. Obviously, like for like Okada for like obvious reasons, like, you know, English isn't his first language and like that, like that would like, you know, still, like be a little bit of a, that, that a little bit, like, be a little bit of a harder sell. I think in, in those regards, because again, I think you can have Okada go out there and just have really good matches, but like, I'm not sure how much, like, you know, like there's this other things that you have to do with like a TV wrestling product that like, I'm not sure AW will be able to kind of like make up for like the obvious things that like Okada won't be able to like be as strong with. And then Osprey just, do I really want to hear Will Osprey talk? <laughs> like, I sure like, don't. Like is, like is that is that really what we're gonna do? We're gonna come in here and like have Will Osprey talk? I mean, like, I hate to say this, but like you know, I've been I I said it from the beginning, but like I you know Osprey is Osprey, and I think that maybe people think that I'm you know more of an Osprey hater than I should be. Blah blah blah, whatever. I mean, I will I will let the record show, and this is something that came up recently, you know. But I will have the record show that I'm the only motherfucker who voted for Will Osprey in the GWE. So you can't say that I'm the biggest Osprey hater or any of this, but like to me, I look at it and I go like, as you talk about, do I want to hear Osprey talk? No, not really. And and if I really did want to have a, a Will Osprey that talks, you've got Kyle Fletcher as the ROH TV champion. And I'm sorry, but like if you want to talk about a guy who can just be your Will Osprey who can also talk, like that's Kyle Fletcher because he cuts a better promo than Osprey does at this point. Mm. Yeah, that's like that's that. So I'm with you there, and the real only reason again why I just it would just suck. like if 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 Okada wants to go get his fucking Nakamura on, like that's cool. Yes. Like I feel like again because people don't a lot of people don't realize how long this has been for Okada. Okada is like this is year this this is year twelve of being a main eventer. Okada's thirty six years old. That was the same age, or going on, going on the same age that Nakamura was when he left. Like this, just like it, it tracks. It makes sense. And like, you know, I, I, I don't want to see fucking Okada in WWE. Like, like, do, do I want to see that? I, there's like literally nothing of interest there for me. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, would Okada versus like Gunther be pretty cool? Like, I guess. All right, that's not like that's that's not that sounds pretty cool. Like, I guess in theory, seeing Okada and Punk like in a ring together, like that sounds all right. But it's like, do I really do I really want to see what Okada and Punk in a WWE ring looks like? I don't think I do. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't, like, I don't think I'm not. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm super keen on that. Like, so if that's what it is, then honestly, like, I'm cool with it. If that's what it is, if Okada wants to go and coast and make his money, because the dude has been like, like I mentioned, no fucking breaks for this. This yeah. dude didn't take a break or take time off or go recover from injury, like nothing. Like he just has been here the whole time, like getting dropped on yeah. his fucking head and doing whatever and taking whatever like bumps and wrestling thirty plus minutes and hard hitting main events and all that shit for twelve for twelve years. So like. If he wants to go and do that, like I'm not, I'm not going to begrudge him at all. Like, 
I'm really, I'm really, I'm really not. And like, I understand that for some people, like this can be like, like a really just like a sad thing to see and accept, especially as a fan of Japanese wrestling. I do understand that, but like I said, I view this less as like, like WWE and AEW like poaching, striking again. I think that Japan is just a fucked up place. Like, <laughs> and like, at some point, like the dude is gonna go look for the money elsewhere. I I I don't I don't, yeah. I, don't I don't know like that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, did you watch the uh, uh, six man tag from this morning? I did not. I did not. Okay. Oh. So, uh, Okada, Ishii, and Tanahashi defended the belts against uh, TMDK of uh, Kosei Fujita, Mikey Nichols, and Shane Haste on uh, Okada's last Kurikin show, and it is a really Wait. really fucking good match. It was TMDK and and uh, Fujita was the team that they cha- that they defended it against. Yes. Okay, so they did they did change the booking and move it around. Uh uh-huh. Because there was there was a different team that they initially were supposed to be defending it against. Anyways. Um. Um. And, yeah. And, yeah. And this and this match is like really really good. Like, um. Obviously, there's like some like added like heat and emotion to it because it is Okada's last Kurikin, but uh, Fujita like really gets a lot of shine here. Um, the closing segment is like a lot of Okada and Fujita stuff, and you know Kurikin loves underdogs and like every, yeah. and everything that's going on. Like they're just like really into this match. I like I like it a lot. Um, and in Okada's uh, post match, he literally couldn't get through a fucking sentence before he just broke down crying. Like he could, like he couldn't even get through a sentence. Right. Just like started sobbing immediately. Um, so really good match. And uh, if you like Okada or care for Okada at all, like the post match promo there is uh something really cool because I think Okada obviously like he's the rainmaker. He's cool and like in a lot of ways can be like really kind of like aloof and not and not expressive a lot of the time, but. Like I think back to when Nakamura left, and Okada's just fucking sobbing in the ring as we're doing Nakamura's farewell, and then I look back all these years later, and Okada just sobbing before he can even finish a sentence. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I like him a lot, and seeing him leave, it's gonna suck because he was such a big part of me getting into modern new japan obviously like he was for like so many different people this is like one of the most important wrestlers of the last 20 years like leaving the company that he helped that he that he helped like lead to a new era and it sucks like it it, it, like on some level it really does but um yeah it's a really it's a really it's a really good match and i'm not sure how i'm gonna feel when i watch okada versus tanahashi (laughs) one last time yeah yeah, that one's gonna be that one's gonna be tough. That's gonna be really emotional and it's almost like so hard to even think about them actually doing that match. Like really, like how do you even actually do the match itself? Let alone like yeah. Beyond that and the emotion. Um I think I, I think I think, I think I think I made a mistake saying Okada's last thing was a fucking thirty first. I don't think it's a start. I don't think his is his last match thirty first? No, his last match is uh, the beginning of soccer, right? It's, it's yeah, it's uh, February eleventh. That's yeah, the beginning, exactly the beginning of soccer. Yeah, 
it's a 12 year anniversary of the the second but first um Okada Tanahashi match and they're wrestling again to, which to, is crazy. to the day um but but it's the to same the day same yeah. event I think it is almost the same day I think it's like February 11th it's like really close man yeah um, I'm just yeah. like that like that one is honestly like they have the they have the 10 man steel cage listed as uh the main event right for uh this event Okada Tanahashi should go on last right it's tough because of the cage, right? Yeah, of course, you know? of course, of course. But yeah, like it is that o- 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 like Okada and Tanahashi should absolutely be going on last, right? Yeah, they got to uh, figure out a way to make that make that the last match on the night because it's going to be adrenaline dump, whatever. That's great. I talked um, about how much I didn't like care about the fact that he was leaving, but it's like, right? Obviously, you see, I care very much about like. Oh God, I appreciate him a lot. It's, like, it's not about him like that. I don't care about what he does. It's just like, dude, like it's just, I don't know what I'm expecting him to be doing there at this point. Like yeah, it's like, he, hey, you know I what, mean, man? Like, career. You, you, you did what you were supposed to do. You did it. Like yeah, tw- twelve years is a career. I mean, that's a in wrestling, that's a long time. And, and obviously, like, he was a wrestler before that. He wrestled and was a young lion and all that. But like, right. just the twelve years he had on top, like it's like he did. A, he did. He did a lot, man. Like I'm just, I'm cool with it. I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, there's a bigger picture conversation about, you know, that. And WWE is like the worst about it. Like people need to come and go, and they need to move around, and they need to stay fresh. That's like the history of wrestling. I just, you know, I think that personally, I think that like the territory, ter- the territory system, was like better for wrestling overall. And like, but you know, we could speak about that when we talk about like farming, right? We can talk yeah. about food and how like mass marketed produced food is better is worse for you than like locally sourced right you know i mean like there's just it's just true but you know this is that's just capitalism it's not really you know the conversation i mean we've had the conversation on this podcast enough times but but you know like that's it like he shouldn't be in the same company for 12 years you just really shouldn't you know that's Mm -hmm. not a career that's really just not a legendary wrestling career like most wrestlers they move around even you know, Ric Flair is 16-time NWA champion. Like, a big part of that that kept him fresh was wrestling around the world and wrestling in other companies, and he didn't just stay in one place. Um, and that said, yeah, like, we talked about it, and, and I do think I'm I'm a, I'm of the opinion I'd be happier to see him go to WWE right now, you know? I hate to say that. I think it's weird. I think a lot of people might think that's weird for me personally, in my opinion, because it almost would come across like I'm saying I don't want to watch Okada wrestle anymore. But I just think he fits better there. Um, obviously, you, get, you can get the Toriumon reunion with, you know, Akira Tozawa and Okada. They can do, you know, obviously that's what WWE is going to do is just put the Asian guys together. Um, and then, yeah. But you know what, like, popped in my head as we were talking about stuff? Because um, you're just talking about Okada and the way he's presented and the way people think about him and, and this and that. And... and it popped in my head. We were talking about if this was a different era, like Shibata, the Shibata career-ending match, right with the, yeah. the the headbutt and the trickle of blood, like that headbutt didn't happen on its own, right? Like, but the way that it's presented in history is that Shibata just did a headbutt to you know to a blank void, and then a trickle of blood came down his head, yes. and then. He had an aneurysm. Yeah, <laughs> Shibata just headbutted a wall. <laughs> yeah, he just headbutted a, a a dark void, 
He came back. A trickle of blood goes down his forehead, and then he has to go get his brain removed. Um, but in another era, it would have been presented like Okada is is such a badass, and he's such an iron domed fucking warrior that he ended Shibata's career on his head, right? But no one ever really talks about that. And no, you know, it was never presented that way. But in another time, you'd present it that way. Because as you talked about, an Iron Man of Iron Men, that this motherfucker wrestled for 12 years at, on the top and almost never took time off. And he not only never took time off, but like he he crippled a man. He retired a man with his with his skull. You know what I mean? Like, it's very interesting that he's never really thought of or presented that way for just how sturdy he is. Like... Okada is a very, very sturdy motherfucker. Like the kind of guy that it's been 12 years. It's been long, but I would be, I would not be shocked to hear that this mother, he keeps wrestling for another 20, 30 years with just how solid he is. And the fact that he's not taking on a lot of injuries and he's not. And like people say he's formulaic, but damn, like he's not, if he's nothing, if not a smart worker. And it's not like he takes it easy, but he just really doesn't, end up hurting himself i mean you know randy orton but good like i don't know what do you call this guy so so okada came back obviously january 4th 2012 right uh so from from the from, from the time he came back until uh current day he's had 240 singles matches and like how many of these singles matches do you think were just fucking bullshit right like right. just nothing singles matches Really, like realistically, like not that many of them, right? Like, you know, no. When he's having an actual singles match, it's a big deal. Yeah, like how yeah. many, like, like how many of these Okada matches are just like nothing bullshit? Like, really, just not that many of them. <laughs> like, is it like that's like, and that's not even obviously counting tags. Where like for for right. a few years, like he did like kind of like try and bust his ass and bust his ass and tags. Like that's something that people did praise him for for a while, but like. Yeah, man. Like how many? Like how many of these Okada matches that we've gotten since 2012, as far as like as far as, far as single stuff, even in G1, like how many of these are just like nothing bullshit? I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Like it's not many. Not this, many. This is a guy that's like, but like the majority of the time, really busted his ass. Yeah. For for no, 12 years. Yeah. So if, if WWE is what's going on, just. Hey man, go make your fucking money, dude. Whatever, and like you know, they'll come back and you'll have the Okada returns. Like you know, it 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 rains once again, twenty twenty eight or some shit like that. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like who like who like, end who, of the drought. Yeah, yeah. The the the, the fucking the drought the, the the drought is over, but instead of like Lil Wayne's face, it's Okada's on it. Um, <laughs> like you know, like 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 maybe like maybe like maybe that happens one day, but it's like you know, like I just. I got I got what I needed from the guy. He's one of the best wrestlers ever. He's gonna make my GWE list. He's the oh, most yeah. decorated guy in New Japan history. Like I got, I got like I got if you if, if if it's time to go make your money and just go work fucking NXT uh with whoever's good down there. I have I have no clues even good over there. But this, um Bunksley Scruggs. That's not a real person. No. That's just could be an NXT name. Yeah, like I, I had like I, I had to think for a second. I was like, yeah, no, it's a stop for a second. Can't be real. It can't be yeah. real. Um, yeah. 
Like but, okay, were, but when we're if we're talking about NXT, y'all are not ready for my Obafemi is actually just doing Samoa Joe character uh, conversation right now. I have not seen him. I've not even seen. <laughs> you don't even know who that is. I I don't. Yeah. I, yeah, I have no clue. Um. All right, yeah, but what you do know about? Oh, yeah, we're done with Okada. I was gonna say what you do know about is. Uh, for some reason, Quentin, you sent me a message and you said that the one thing that we had to talk about was the Cope Open. I referenced it earlier, but we had, oh, we just God. really got to break down all of these the the, the Copeland Oakland matches um, that have been happening. It's a it's a happening for sure. Um, have you seen any of this? Have you actually paid attention to it? Are you a collider like our good friend Joseph Monticilio? I like will cherry pick, but I haven't been watching um, the copeland matches the co- yeah he's at, they they're actually they actually have been okay there was an a uh i guess technically unsanctioned copeland Oakland match um because it was on dynamite but it technically had it had the it had the feel it had the vibe of a cope a cope open match against minoru suzuki on dynamite um but yeah it's it's as i talked about comparing it to what punk was doing Adam Copeland is like he's he's right there. He's basically doing the same stuff as Punk. It's honestly, it's really, it's just it speaks to their history with each other and just how much it really is the same thing. Is that like Adam Copeland and CM Punk? They just do the same stuff, and Punk just happens to be the one who does it better, including Amy Dumas. Um, Punk just happens to be the one who does it better. Um, so yeah, like, you know, like I just, he's doing the same shit, but I just, I don't care when punk was doing it. I was excited when Adam Copeland does it. I'm not, you know, I'm just really not interested, you know? Yeah. Um, no, yeah. No. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like it's, I, I, I have a hard time going and like seeking out edge matches. So like, unless like I have, um, the, like a show already on, like I already just have a stream on. And like it's whatever, like I'll like I'll, like I guess I'll let I'll let I'll let the stream play. But otherwise, like I'm not just uh sitting there watching Copeland versus Lee Moriarty or Dante Martin. But like you know, it's it's getting decent reviews. So you know, maybe maybe at some point I'll go and uh check some of that stuff out. Um, okay, so I feel like we're gonna do like another like kind of like grab baggy thing. Yes. We, I mentioned I mentioned the road to new, the road to new beginning uh, six man tag from this morning. Um, Shota Shota Yumino versus Renderita fucking sucked. That, um, so that is I cannot believe that. No way. It went thirty three minutes. Okay. On a random house show, thirty three minutes. Now. <sighs> I really don't Man. understand this too because it starts off with like Umino being pissed off and like attacking Narita before Narita before Narita could like you know get ready right. Why is it then go thirty three minutes? Why is this not just a fucking like twelve or like twelve twelve thirteen fourteen minute match with them just like going crazy at a high pace like brawling all over Cork and if you want to if you wanted to do that, why did it go thirty three minutes? I thought we were learning from these problems. Tim, I thought we were learning. Why are are our kids learning? Three, yeah. Are we doing this? I thought we were learning from these mistakes. So, Yumino and Narita 
which could have like been something, I think, just decided I'm we're gonna go 33 minutes and just <sighs> fucking did not like that shit at all. Um can't blame but you. Samoa Joe and Hook. That was like perfect. Oh, wait, hold on. Um yes, but that is that should be before like this. I don't know. I don't before like what, now in my head of my Mao and versus Brian Keith. Um a couple days ago they had a, a universal title match. Um these two like under 20 minutes, main event on a DDT kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, B show, C show kind of level thing. Um, which, which, which yeah, was it was, it was a, on the Sweet Dreams tour in uh, okay. Shin- Shinagawa um, in front of less than 300 people, it says here. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal mess. These guys are just built for each other, like the great chemistry. Mao, I... Someone I saw someone I should I guess I think I actually remember it was Joe Sposto, uh, you know, loud and noxious. That's probably not the, the per- right person. Leonard F. Chikarison from uh, Chikara um, on some tweet. He was mentioning how he had friends and new people that like got turned off on Hangman Page because of CM Punk saying that he was an empty headed dumb fuck. Um. And I was like, my instant reaction was that I had the opposite reaction when Mao started calling himself empty headed and he said, empty head Mao, no death match, no life. That was when I started to like Mao again. Like, I love that he's just this fucking dumbass who says that he's got no brain and just wants to go out there and fucking kill himself. And it was perfect going up against Brian Keith, who's like the perfect guy to just kill him, to just murder death this guy. So, yeah, this was a really, really kick-ass match between two guys who are just perfect for each other. A guy who, basically, a guy who's built to, you know, get the shit kicked out of him against a guy who loves kicking the shit out of people. So, highly recommend checking that out. Um, And it is very similar to the match that you brought up there uh, with Joe versus Hook, which is a better version of the same match. A guy who is meant to kick the shit out of people taking on the guy who's meant to get the shit kicked out of him. I like I liked everything about it. I, lo- I loved uh, Hook's approach and the pace and how quickly he's going at Joe and being on him and everything like that. I thought Hook's selling was really fucking good. But as soon as Joe hits the fucking Uranagi on the announce table, and like the only thing that, of Hook's body that hits the table is just his fucking neck, <laughs> I was like, oh. Wait, yeah. like this is going a direction that like I was not I was not expecting. And then he follows it up with a fucking uh with the uh power bomb on the apron. And yeah. I just love and, and I loved it. This loved was it. give me Joe versus Necro, but make it sexy. That's what this was. <laughs> like the little Twinkie boy getting just absolutely fucking annihilated by punk or by Joe. Was just like Jesus Christ, and I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, Liam, I'll give him a shout out. Listener to the show, fan of the show, friend of the podcast. I'll say, um, Liam was like messaging me and and just kind of being like, I would have, you know, I kind of wanted more, and I can definitely see it because I do think that that Hook has an issue with his selling, and we'll, you know, eventually maybe we'll get there. Um, in the idea that like he just really dies, you know, and and but 
I think that the way that they present him right now, it works really well. Like they want him to be the kind of guy who just dies like that. Um, the problem will be in the future when they want to start presenting him more seriously. If he can't transition to, you know, being a little bit, a little bit more subtle with the selling um, yeah. would be the issue. But as of right now, I think he's perfect. And this match was perfect. The, the, the finish was perfect. The, the kick out at one on the muscle buster was perfect. Like that's so fucking yeah. good. Like, I I I don't, know, I don't like again like you know I'm not sitting there like I'm on deep into wrestling Twitter the way that like I might have been before so like I don't know if anyone complained about that I'm like that's just oh yeah. like that's how you that's how you utilize a kickout that's how you right. utilize a kickout to like make it important and like do something for somebody to kick out of that to kick out of a move like that like that like that's how that that's how that goes that's how yeah. you do that yeah that's that is the the right way to use that kind of thing. And it was funny because I heard some interview with Joe and he was just saying, like, I hated it, too, because someone asked him, you know, they're trying to do like a, an in kayfabe interview with the guy. And then midway through, they're like, people online are upset about, you know, uh, Hook kicking out at one on the muscle buster. How do you feel? And he's like, yeah, I think it's terrible. I think it's fucking an atrocity. I think it's just the worst possible thing. And it was just the perfect reaction because it like, you know, it's Joe. Joe is just so. He's so slick. He's so, you know, he comes across so eloquently. But then at the same time, it's like it makes sense in the context of, you know, the gimmick. <laughs> of course, he would be upset. That of course, he wanted, he, wanted end, he, wanted, he wanted to end the match right there to do fucking yeah. kick out. <laughs> he wanted the match to be over. Of course, I'm mad about him kicking out. And then but then also playing off of it because he fucking he booked the match. He's he put the match together. He knew what was happening. So to be like, oh, yeah, I thought it was so stupid, you know, and, you know, it's like it's perfect. Like it was it was great because, yeah, like you said, it was. Not only was it such a huge thing, it was like it was the biggest thing. It was the biggest thing you could give this kid. He's gonna he just gets absolutely fucking mauled and annihilated. Okay, let him kick out at one on the muscle buster. And then it's like, oh my god, it's such a big fucking deal. You know, it's huge and people are talking about it. To the point where they almost forget that he lost. Right? Like yeah. that's um yeah, how do you argue with that? It's it's perfect. It was executed perfectly. Everything about it was perfect. Again. I will sh give a shout out to again to Liam, listener to the show. I agree. The idea that now this he needs to go away. Hook needs to go away, and he probably should go to Japan. And I think like yeah, something like doing a a tour in Gleet would be perfect for him, where he could just wrestle. Like, could you imagine Joe or Hook doing UWFI matches at this point in his career? And like uh, learning uh, uh, how. Yeah, maybe, maybe not Glee. If we sent him like fucking like Kyushu Pro, maybe like sure, sure, like, sure. If we, if, we, if, we, if, we, if we did something like that, there we go. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, sending this kid to somewhere where where maybe the Yakuza can't get their hooks into him, um, for lack of a better term, um, yeah, that, that's probably that's probably correct. Um, what else was there that was good? I mean, other than did you, you know, did, did you the watch new match uh, of the year? Did did you watch uh Danielson and Claudio versus versus uh Kingston and Ortiz on Collision? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That I was thought this was, I thought this wild. rocked. I thought yeah. <laughs> I thought this was really good. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was out of control. Um, King, I mean, Kingston is on another fucking level right now, man. Like it's just, yeah. I give your thoughts. Yeah, like this was like. I want to feel like we, we kind of like take for granted that like we're watching like 
Does it register for people that were watching a Brian Danielson and Claudio Castagnoli team? Right. Like, I'm team not sure they're really registering that we're watching these guys team up together. <laughs> yeah. Or that, like, we'll get a random, like, Claudio and Mox. Like, like that's, like, what the fuck? Like, we're just going to be, like, but, like, the control segment that these guys do on Ortiz is, like, really awesome. Obviously, once Eddie comes in and we're, like, revisiting, like, the Eddie versus both versus both members of Blackpool Combat Club uh, stuff. Um, how do you feel about, like, on top baby face Eddie? Like, that's, like, leaning I, in. Like, like, I see, like, a pal, a pal doesn't seem to really, really seem, seem to be a fan of this, like, iteration of Eddie. It thinks this is him kind of, like, going back into his, uh, I guess, his uh, four pillars, like, fanboy stuff and then like it feels like aw is like going to, for like the presentation of eddie that seems like the least interesting but like my response would be like okay like we've had like different variations of eddie like for like the last like three years he's been in the like, three or four years he's been at the company now like i feel like i i, I don't know like if we've had, i think we've got we got enough underdog uh fighting spirit Eddie even if that's like what he's best at I feel like we've got enough of that for the last like three years my feeling about Eddie and what's going on there like you know with the idea of him being the the champion and all that I think is really summed up by like the 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 first thing I said on his first defense of the global the global crown and I think it was the match I'm trying to think. What was it? I can't remember if it was on TV or if it was the the Gabe Kid match. But it was like Eddie Kingston now as the champion is coming out and he looks more pissed off than he was ever as the challenger. It was like the first thing he did after winning the title. Um and it was, yes, it was the match against Trent, Trent Beretta on Collision. And he comes out and he, again, he looks more pissed off than he ever looked at any point during like the, the Continental Classic or anything else. And it is, it's like, oh, he, Eddie Kingston's going to lose the fire as the as the champion. And the underdog, he only really works in the chase in the underdog. And then you see the fire and you see... And that's where I'm like, yeah, like you talked about the, the no, this tag team match, like the, the champion Eddie works because he doesn't lose. He doesn't lose that fire. Eddie Kingston is able to, even as the champion, still continue to be pissed off. Like, you know, he's just he's never happy. And that's what makes it work. It Like, you know, no matter how good things are going, he's always able to still be upset with himself. And that's all that really matters, right? So yeah, like I, I think it's perfect. Again, you talk about this match, Danielson and Claudio, shout out to Team Uppercut, still existing at this point. Um, yeah, this this was perfect. <laughs> and then you look at fucking Ortiz. Ortiz, I mean, goddamn, he's like tagging with the top babyface in the company here. And then you know, his old tag team partner thinks he's gonna make something of himself, and he's just like, yeah, popping around wherever. Um I don't think I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I want to talk well, about you, before well, we just. Oh, uh, did you watch Sari about... versus Jirashimoto? 
Oh, well, I was going to say before we talk about, you know, the, the Sariism show, um, because, you know, I think we both watched the whole show. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else on the show that you really want to talk about other than the main event? Uh, and Rico, 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 yeah, uh, Rio, Mama, uh, Mio Momono and Rico, uh, Rico Kawahata versus, uh, the Anab versus the Anaba sisters. Uh, yeah, fun. I thought that, I thought that, I thought that was, yeah. I thought that was good. Um, I had fun with that. Uh, Kong and, and Jaguar, obviously, super fun to see them as a team. It's, no it's, fun, to, it's, it's fun to see yeah. them, but it's like, you know, it's Aja Kong and Jaguar Yakota. So in 2023, yeah. Um, I, Takumi Aroha and Miyuki uh, Takahase. Takase. Takase. Um, the, quick match for them. They have really good chemistry with each other in general, but, you know, it's not the best match I've seen between them, even just like, you know, recently. So it just makes it like, eh, whatever. Um, I don't know. You have any other thoughts on that match? Uh, no, yeah, it's just sort of, yeah, I thought it was, I thought, I thought, I thought it was good, but definitely didn't get to yeah. like anywhere where I thought like it, like maybe could have got considering the fact that like it's Takumi Aroha and I feel like she usually has like a pretty high floor. Right. Um, Ito and, and Nanai versus Kurumi and, and Unagi, I thought was really good, especially the stuff between, uh, Unagi and, and Nanai. Um, obviously Nanai is just such a smart you know, she's just such a smart worker in that, like, she's trying to connect herself to Unagi, who's kind of the hottest thing in Joshi wrestling right now. Um, so I can't blame her for that, you know, but I, I, I thought that there was some good heat between them. But yeah, it, did, it definitely felt like Nanai doing her best Jericho impression, you know, where she's just like, this Unagi girl is like the hot thing who's drawing big crowds. I definitely got to like link up with her and, and try to build something that people want to watch. Right. But otherwise it was like, it was fun. It was, it was a fun tag team match to watch. But then when those two were, you know, interacting, I thought it was super hot. Um, I thought Karumi looked really good as well here. Um, but I don't know if you had any other thoughts on the tag team match. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't think it was very good. Um, like I understood the like ideas here. And like I think they like tried sure. to like execute that stuff, but like it just didn't really do much for me. Um Fair. but yeah, like, I, mean, like, I, mean, like, I think I think the interaction between like say like the Nai and like um, and, and Unagi were probably like pretty fun. Otherwise, like yeah, like the match didn't really do much for me. I thought it was I thought it was the worst match on the card. That's fair. That's definitely fair. Um to say it's the worst match on the card. Um, because like I said, it felt like felt like Nanai had one business, you know, one plan on her mind, which was trying to make business with her and Unagi, um, which I can't blame her because make money, you know. And then there was the main event match that some people are talking about. Not me. I'm I, I'm not talking about it, but other people are talking about this. Um, Chinjihiro Hashimoto taking on Sari. Uh, what did you think about this one? I thought it was really good. I mean, like, I mean, God, like, how many times have we seen these two wrestle each other over the years? <laughs> so, like, right. we, 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 like, we know what they're chemistry is like we know what these two can do we've seen them like wrestle each other like time and time again like for a few for a few for a few years now uh you know obviously they, they wrestled each other back on uh the uh sorry uh sorry volume chapter one so like 
it's like not uncommon to see these two wrestling each other. Uh, I don't think it's, I don't know. I feel like I like their, their match from the first show a little bit more. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I think I like that match from the first show just like a tad bit more. But like, I still feel like they're probably like about the same level. Still really, still really like it. I think these two would just have like really, really, really good chemistry. Part of me feels like they still have something even better because like, while I really like their pairing, I don't think it gets quite to, like quite to like match of the year, like match of the year contender level stuff. And I do feel like they could reach those levels, but they just haven't gotten there yet. So I do want to see like something eventually. I really feel like they have something even better than them. But uh, yeah, I thought this was a, I thought this was like really really good. Uh, what did you think? I agree with a lot of the stuff that you were saying there, and I disagree on a very small detail, which is that this is now my current match of the year. Um, I agree that this is not their best match. I even agree that their last match for sorry. Um, Sorryism show was better. Um, I agree that I still think that they have a better match in them. Um, that said, I fucking loved this. It's violent when it needs to be. It's, you know, um, technical and subdued when it needs to be. It's got so much fucking drama. It's wild and it's out of control. Um, it's, it, it is a roller coaster of emotions of a match. It goes from, everything like i said it goes from just a technical clinic to a wild out of control brawl to an insane you know feats of strength to drama teasing big top rope suplexes hitting gigantic crazy suplexes um yeah this is phenomenal i absolutely adored this match i think it's again i think it's my current it is my current match of the year they just, these two have amazing chemistry with each other. It's built into the drama with each other. It's, it's just incredible. Like, and just no light between any strikes, no anything. Everything is executed perfectly. Like I, there's no sloppiness. There's nothing that's just like from move to move, everything just feels perfect. Like even things that are not executed like exactly correctly just feel perfect in the moment. The the finish I thought was executed super well as the drama built and built until you get there. Um, yeah, this was incredible. I just I this is just some of the best wrestling again in the world at this point. These two are so amazing together. I was losing it, hooting and hollering to myself. Yeah, this is. To me, this is phenomenal. This is, again, the best. This is the match of the year for me. Um, I guess I'm higher on it than you are. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I thought that this was fucking amazing. Like, from beginning to end, taking you on a ride through the drama, through everything you could want in a wrestling match. This is just, again, I did not, I really, really did not expect anything to knock the, the Nakajima and, um, and Dempsey match off the pedestal, you know, for at least until like midway through the year. But this was, again, this really fucking just hit me in all the right spots all the way through. I mean, and you didn't, 
they didn't have to do anything. Like that's the crazy thing. They really like they they brawled in the crowd for a bit, but they really didn't have like a ton of gimmicks. They didn't have to go crazy for the most part. It's just like just a wrestling match that was intense, physical, and but it had tons of drama. It felt like it was executing like anything you could ask for. They sold it to the hilt. The post match felt excruciating. Like, how could you even continue on with this? Yeah, this was this was great. I I adored everything this match from the beginning to the end. But uh, yeah, that's uh that's that's my vibe on this one. I'm not. Mad, I'm not. Mad. Like, I, I see. I see the case for it for sure. Like, I think this is a thing where like you, you know me long enough. It's like sometimes I'm just not as high on Shihiro Hashimoto stuff as like other people are like this is like sure. not a new thing i feel like ever since shahira was just like rose into prominence in the last decade or so i just like haven't been as high on her as like a lot of like the people that we talk about wrestling with have been like not that i don't enjoy her like i feel like i i don't think i enjoy her more as a tag wrestler to be honest like i i, I feel like i enjoy yeah. her tag team stuff more than our single stuff yeah. I, there yeah like i said i mean part of it is it's so tough because I, I do still think that there's still a lot more there. And even when you talk about that, like the 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 what is it, team two thousand kilogram or, or whatever, like like yeah, her, her, her and you are like a really good team. Yeah, and like one of the best tag teams in the world. Like that's one thing you guys maybe should have talked about on the Always Better Tanners, because I didn't I, I noticed that, you know, there wasn't any female tag teams that were listed in the tag teams, but you know, it is what it is. Um but uh yeah, like I don't think that this is either of these girls' best possible match of the year. But that does not stop me from saying that I actually think that this is the best match that I've seen this year. So, yeah, like I get where you're coming from, where, where it holds you back a little bit to see it to be like, I could see more, I could this and that. But, like, yeah, I agree with you. There's like tons more here from for both of them. And even outside of this, like, again, Hashimoto as a tag team wrestler, actually, she might be better as a tag team wrestler. But so far, like, this is the best match I've seen all year. Yeah, for sure. I definitely I definitely, I definitely understand that. I'm trying to think anything else here. I'm like, I want to say that I'm, like, back, like, Tim, before we recorded, I was yes. watching fucking, I watched two matches from the Gleet show. Oh. Like, and I was watching, uh, I was, catching, I was catching up on IWRG. Like, Gleet stuff wasn't very good. I watched the fucking Saito Brothers versus Ryuichi Kawakami and Daimanji and, and Daimanji So. And I watched Hayato Tamara versus Galeno Del Mal. Uh, Del Mal. Both, like, both of those were just sort of whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah, but. Gal I. Galeno Del Mal is a guy that I like. I get why people get hype on him you know on paper but i i rarely see him actually deliver on the hype if that makes sense yeah for sure yeah but did you watch the um the the sbk and uh takuma tag team match mm, no was that on the show was on yeah, the yeah show. that was on the, that that was on the the gleet version eight it was, it was. It was. I didn't see anything about. SBK. Yeah, yeah, it was a tag team. It was SBK and Takuya, uh, Takumiya, whatever, uh, against Soma Watanabe oh. and Yuya Susumu. Um, oh, and okay. There I we... wouldn't say 
it's a great match that you need to go out of your way to your watch, but it was an interesting match because of the SBK and Takuya. Um, because they feel like two guys who ne- wouldn't ever have necessarily been like a tag team or in a unit together or any of that, but they're like yeah. really gelling together ever since yeah. they kind of like got forced together. And it's kind of interesting to see them working this out. Um, so like I said, not a match that I would say go out of your way to watch, but a match that if you're interested to see like the vibe between them is kind of working. And I yeah. could actually see them becoming a really good tag team. Okay. Yeah. That's 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 interesting to hear. That's interesting to hear. Like I I, I didn't I, I didn't even like I didn't even realize when I saw SBK and Sakuma. I'm like, oh shit. Like those are like yeah. those are my boys. Okay, there we go. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because you get what I'm saying. Like, I wouldn't yeah. think of them as like they would have in Dragon Gate. They probably would have rarely interacted. They would have they would have been opposite sides. Yeah, for the most part. Takuma, Takuma, like, Takuma would Takuma would have been a babyface. Right, Takuma's a babyface. SB is such a natural heel, especially in Dragon Gate. Like, yeah, but but as a as a team, they're kind of gelling together in a way that's kind of interesting. So, okay, all right. Well, I'm not I'm not I'm not sure of how much I'm gonna like go back for it but like i'm I'm at least gonna like keep an eye on that yeah, keep like, an eye out see what see what you see from them yeah. um otherwise yeah so there's nothing before, else before we, well when we recorded last week i hadn't got a chance to watch this but uh kano versus go shiozaki yes really fucking good yes like yes really 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 good that was that was great that was that really was, yeah, that was teasing match of the year for a second in my head. I was really, I was really thinking about that. Um, I guess in the same conversation, I mentioned a GIF from the match, but I didn't, I hadn't watched it yet. But Hoodfoot versus Joshua Bishop. Now that I've watched the match since the last time we recorded, that's like it's not just a GIF match; it's a watch this match. Two of the sickest doing it right now, Hoodfoot. And Joshua Bishop, like, you know, obviously, like everyone knows how sick they are. Um, and them actually hitting it and giving delivering on the sickness is well worth it. So, you know, again, if you only watch one GCW match <laughs> this year, and I can't blame you, watch that one. All right. Okay. Yeah. I'll go ahead. I might, might check that out then. But otherwise, I think we're good. I think we are. Um, We're good here. Follow the website at (laughs) violentpeople.co. Quentin, what else do they do? Uh, shit. Uh, yeah, violent people. Uh, is is it violent underscore people? Pretty sure it is. Yes, the Twitter is. Violent underscore people. Yeah, Twitter is violent underscore people. The website is violentpeople.co. You can follow me at QT underscore Moody. You can follow Tim at ROH Dutch. Um, yeah, that's yeah. I guess I said there's no coffee. There's nothing uh, to nope. do. Uh, Joseph Joseph dropped his uh, year in review stuff. So if you uh, are a listener to this, I'm sure you're a fan of Joseph. So go ahead and uh, give that a watch and like and subscribe and all that stuff because Joseph is one of the best people that we have 
covering wrestling, whether it is his reviews or the video content. Joseph is just one of the best. So go ahead and do that. If you guys haven't, uh, get some popcorn, do whatever. It's like a hour long video. So go ahead and enjoy that whenever you guys have the time. Thank you all for listening. Hope you're here next time. Dreams we are now control Don't sweat it